All right, guys, very special episode for you guys today. One I've been looking forward to since I started 1819 News and since we started diving in and jumping into stories of people who played for Bear Bryant. But it's bigger than a story about a man who played for Bear Bryant. It's the story of the man who started the Big Oak Ranch. What is the Big Oak Ranch? It's one of the most incredible ministries in the world. Uh, it is a boys ranch is how it started, but it's also now a boys and girls ranch and they're doing planting oaks and they're doing ascend and they're doing all this incredible stuff. Um, and, and it's taking in children, uh, whose parents don't want them and they give them to the ranch and they not only put them, they don't warehouse them and feed them. They put them into a home with parents and they teach them about Jesus and they give them a Christian education and they teach them a work ethic and they're there for them. Um, and it's, it's the most incredible ministry I've ever seen, uh, or, you know, had, had the privilege of walking around the ranch and seeing all that they do there. Uh, and you guys are going to want to tune in, hear John's story, uh, about how it all came about. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome everyone to 1819 News, the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this year podcast. I have a really incredible episode for you today. One I've been looking forward to really since I started the podcast, someone uh, who has made an impression on me. He's got one of the greatest ministries, I think, in the world that's right here in Alabama that uh, he started and his son is now uh, the successor of running and taking it uh, to new heights as well. And it will be a continuation in our Bear Bryant um, men that who've played for Bear Bryant, and what they've gone on to do from their series that we've had Gene Stallings, John Hanna, Rich Wingo. And now we will be bringing you John Croyle. So really happy to have him in studio to share his stories about playing for Bear Bryant, um, talking about the Big Oak Ranch and what that was like getting it started, what it is that they do. And then he's got a message for our behind the scenes content where it's going to be an encouragement about how to how to get back up when you've fallen. Uh, we've all fallen. We've all had things that have happened, and uh, just an encouraging message about how to get back up and get in the saddle again. So that is what we're going to be doing. But before we jump into it, I want to tell you guys um, we need you to support the work we're doing at eighteen nineteen News. Uh, if you guys uh, would sign up to become a member, you're going to get access to that behind the scenes content, like I just described. You get merch, but more than anything. You'll be supporting nonprofit news. You'll be supporting independent journalism. Uh, membership start as little as $5 a month. So please go to the website, 1819news.com. Click the button, become a member, put in all the information, super simple, and you'll be supporting the work we do on behalf of the people of Alabama. Well, enough about all that. And without further ado, I'll bring in my guest, Mr. John Croyle. John? Well, I tell you what, I, I was sitting here thinking, five dollars a month, you can pick up cans and cover five dollars a month. I'm tell them, John. Tell them. I'm gonna get 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 involved. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Wait a minute, let me see. Did I read that right? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, endorsement fee headed your way, five dollars. So, um, well, I'm super excited to have you. Um, it's it's interesting. We've met. I've heard so much. Um, about you, about the ministry, uh, you're, you're very well known your time playing at the university of Alabama, playing for bear Bryant, big Oak ranch, uh, all of these things. And just the, the legacy that you've left on so many, and even, um, you know, Lee Habib, my former boss, um, really credits your ministry, um, to how he ended up coming to Christ. He was a, a, a late bloomer in the faith. I think he was in his forties or maybe even fifties. 
um, when he got saved and meeting you and seeing the work that you did played an instrumental role in his life, which he's played an instrumental role in my life. And so you just see um, that ripple effect of, of what God can do. So um, I just think that's great. And I'm really excited to have you on and you and I've gotten to become friends over the last couple months. And I'm just looking forward to, to hearing some stories. Well, I tell you what, he, uh, Lee was a great guy. Uh, we visited and, uh, he, um, he's, he's a smart cat. I yeah. mean, I'm sitting there, I, I'm just looking at him like, dang, you, you <laughs> operate at different levels than I do. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's just been so much fun, uh, watching you and getting to know you and seeing what you're doing and, and how you're making a difference. And I think that trickle down, uh, you know, uh, when you tell the truth, it, it's going to trickle down, yeah. and uh, it, it's almost like a, it's like a, a syrup on a pancake. Yeah. I mean, when you pour it on there, it just just covers everything up. Regrettably, so does doing wrong. Yeah, and we've all been there. Yeah, you know. So uh, it's just been a joy to watch you and and learn about what you're doing and the lives you're changing, the people you're helping. So uh, mutual respect. Amen. Well, that means a lot. So kind of as you heard me lead up to in the beginning, um, you know, um, I mean, every bit of it stands on its own, right? We could do a podcast just on your time with Bear Bryant and all that, and then also Big Oak Ranch. But really, let's start out with uh, the, you know, your story, where you grew up, um, playing for Coach Bryant, lessons learned from him, uh, and then how that transitioned into Big Oak Ranch and how he helped. Tell you what, it is – you know, we've all got plays in our lives, you yeah. know, when, when, you know, uh, the loss of a child, a marriage, the birth of a child. I mean, we've all got those plays in our mm -hmm. lives. And, and for me, getting a chance to play ball for Coach Bryant was just one of those plays. And he, um, obviously pretty good at what he did, but yeah. I think his greatest gift was, um, obviously, uh, tenacious focus. Coach Saban, all the great ones have got that tenacious focus, but his ability to read people. Uh, just was phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I know you've got John and Rich and others. Um, I mean, he just could just, it's almost like a, you're scanned yeah. and uh, he's got you. And yeah. uh, he knew I was there five years. He kept waiting to see if I was going to get good. <laughs> <laughs> so he redshirted me. But um, I went down as a freshman and um, I blew my knee out and I tore every ligament but one. And uh, I'm sitting on the ground, and uh, Coach Bryant came up, and uh, he said, what a waste. I thought they was going to shoot me. I didn't know. <laughs> like a horse that rolls yeah. its angle. Well, and ma matter of fact, shoot there was a you. movie that had just come out that month about yeah. they shoot horses, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, Lord, I'm going to die. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, um, blew my knee up. Uh, took uh, two years to get back. But, you know, um, I never had to work for anything. Everything was easy, you know, back, you know. Uh, playing sports, being involved, you get injured a little bit, uh, you keep going, you're playing, but you blow your knee out, it changes the whole perspective. And and when the doctor looked at me and said, your career's over, I said, no, it's not. You know, and you don't listen to doctors, you listen to that internal voice yeah. that uh, tells you you can or you can't. And uh, came back two years, and we lost one regular season game in three years, so winning was kind of understood. Yeah, And... Um, he he never yelled at me for five years. Now, my roommate got dog cussed every day, but <laughs> he never yelled because he would just come up. We were playing LSU once, and he came up, and they had a quarterback named Burt Jones, and Burt was a great player, and he was huge, and he played with the Baltimore Colts at that time in Indianapolis now. 
and uh, I'd hit him just as he let go of the ball about three times. And Coach Brand, I, we came off the field after a series, and he came up to me and said, when are you going to get him? That's all he said. And, of course, second half was a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he had his way of just uh, getting you to see the big picture and, and winning, and you had to do your job like all the great ones do, do yeah. your job. Yeah, that's really good. I think one of the reasons that I'm so interested in, in hearing stories about Bear Bryant and and that, and again, it's it's definitely nothing against Coach Saban. Obviously, he's done incredible things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a different culture and a different generation now. Sure. He operates within what, what he has to to do mm-hmm. his job now. But what is so amazing to me is the the legacy of the people, really the ripple effect of watching um, Bear Bryant and – um, the people who played for him, they come in essentially boys, they leave men, and then they go on to um, be family men, start businesses, um, be members of the community, and and they all have uh, a certain way of taking responsibility um, that leaves the football field and actually gets into in, into life. Um, and just, you know, that is, is so different. And, I mean, there's, there's obviously coaches, you know, Vince Lombardi, um, why well, I can't think of the guy that was uh, – the basketball Dean Smith at University of North Carolina, the basketball coach that mm-hmm. that, that that have that quality, but um, it's just to me, it's something that's very special. And and having lived in Alabama now for eight years, you can see the the, the ripple effects of it. Yeah, I think that um, uh, one time I was getting ready to meet with him about um, something. I don't remember what it was now, and um, he was on the phone with this kid, and um, he said. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, son. Uh, thank you. And he hung up. He called the assistant coach in that was responsible for recruiting that kid. And uh, he said, um, Coach, we don't want him. Coach Bryant, he's 6'4", 230, runs a, a four five forty, and he's just tough. We don't want him. He ain't a winner. That's all he said. Coach said, yes, sir, walked out. And his ability to, to pick a winner, and I think the statement he made about, I'll take my 11, beat your 11, and yeah. then we'll trade 11s, and I'll still beat you. And that 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 trickle-down belief that uh, we'll do whatever it takes. And um, uh, my fingers are all mangled up and everything, and somebody <laughs> said, how how did that happen? I said, well, you didn't go to the sideline with a dislocated finger. You just yeah. taped it up, and so I took tape off of my – my belt and I wrapped around my finger and and kept playing and uh you just you didn't want to disappoint the man yeah and uh you didn't want to come to the sidelines and you didn't do your job yeah. and uh you didn't want to you didn't even want to make eye contact <laughs> there's one guy that really really screwed up he was so embarrassed he went to the other team side of the field because you didn't want to see him <laughs> and uh, uh I finally got back over but uh <laughs> His, his ability to get the best out of you and uh, just look at you and say, I know you can do this. Yeah. And uh, that's all you need to hear. And, uh, you know, there, there's, I, I believe you or I believe in you. Yeah. And those are two different animals. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, uh, it's kind of like a, a, a Christian, you know, I, I believe in you versus I believe in you. Yeah. And believing in God and Jesus Christ and what he did. And um, we've all, you know, blown that up, but uh, he still loves us anyway. And Coach Bryant's ability to uh, just know what you wanted to do. And I, I blew my knee out once. I was having surgery, and I woke up, and uh, he had he'd given me a book 
uh, and it's called a Foxfire book. And it's about living out in the woods and, you know, making it and just like a, a survival book. Yeah. And he had heard that I wanted to uh, build a home for kids. Yeah. So he gave me my first gift. Yeah. For the the ranch itself. Wow. What and before we jump into the ranch and his help starting it, <clears throat> what what is it? What do you think it is? I mean, is it God given? Is it something that was cultivated? What is it about him that allowed him to draw the best out of everyone? Knowing the individual, he would, you know, he knew yelling at me wasn't going to work. Just tell me what you want. I'll go do it. Yeah. Motivating and yelling at somebody else might work for that individual. And his ability to read people, as I mentioned earlier, but I think it's even more than that. It's a, it's a, if you knew he believed in you and, and I'm, I'm going to be really stupid here and everybody that's ever started for him knows this feeling but he would come in and he would say, no, gentlemen, in this game, this is going to be tough, da, 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 da. And he said, uh, but starting start defense is, and he'd call out your name. Now, here's the whole team, 100-plus guys. You're out there. You're getting ready to go play in front of 30 million people on TV for the next championship, whatever the issue. And um, he said, in this world, you're the one I've been counting on. Mm. You're the one that I know if I put you in that position, you're going to do your job. You'll give me everything you've got. And I think one of the best things I've heard him say over the years, I heard him say a lot, but he just said, I don't want you out there worrying. He said, I want you confident. I want you showing your class. I want you ripping and snorting. He said, make a mistake. It's okay. Just don't make it again. Mm. And number two, uh, make it full speed. And I think that – and and his, his ability to um, – they they had a drill where where they would put three guys in front of you and I played defense so he put me over here by myself and there'd be three guys in front of me with a combined weight of nine hundred pounds and I weighed one hundred and ten I'm sitting there looking at these guys and he would always go stand behind the offensive line because he wanted to look in the eyes of the defensive player because hmm. you're going to see uh, enthusiasm uh, confidence or fear. And uh, he would go around, and he would be looking in. And if you were confident, and you're looking at these guys and say, "Y'all outweigh me," but I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And then you would clog up three people, and the linebacker come over the back and make the play. Uh, he was always looking for that enthusiasm and always looking for that confidence. And if you're afraid, you didn't play wow. because uh, his his idea was, if I make you scared on Tuesday in a tough drill you're going to be scared on Saturday. But even more importantly, if you quit on Tuesday, you're going to quit on Saturday. Mm. And uh, he couldn't ho- he couldn't tolerate the quitting. I've seen guys with ability out there wazoo. They never saw the field because they weren't willing to put everything they had into it. And they asked him once about um, all the people that he had worked with, the, the Namus, the Stablers, the John Hannas, and and all the rest of us that were lesser guys athletically, uh, he said, I never think about the guys that really were great and they produced. And he said, I thought about the kid that I I never found the trigger. I never found the button. I never found the way to get him to join. He said, those are the ones that that haunt me. Those are the ones I think about. Wow. 
That's incredible. And I think about, you know, one of the kind of common stories I hear and really something that I don't think coaches with the the transfer portal and all this other stuff have the ability to do today. Both Bob Baumhauer and Rich Wingo have a similar story and <clears throat> that they were all stars. You know, they were starters um, and coach benched them because their attitude wasn't right. They they weren't giving 100 percent because their 70 percent was better than everyone else's 100 percent. But mm-hmm. he didn't want their 70 percent. He mm-hmm. wanted their 100 percent. And so he benched him. And, you know, I, I can't wait to get Bob Baumhauer in here to tell his story. Um, but Rich came in and, and, and told his story of, of that. And, you know, you're, you, you, you've now disappointed the one man you don't want to disappoint. Mm-hmm. Now you're worried about your future and all these other things. And, 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 and he, he may really mean it. You may really not be going to play again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he gave those two an opportunity to redeem themselves, and they did. And they, were, they, were, they completely changed their lives, not mm-hmm. their football careers, but their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and doing that, and quite frankly, these coaches don't have the ability to do that today because the guys will be in the transfer portal like that. Belief. Yeah. You know, do you believe you can win? Do you believe we can win? Do you believe that you can be a part of us winning? And that, that belief's missing yeah. because uh, there's just – loyalty is a great word, yeah. you know, and with the portal and everything that goes with it or opting out and getting out early or, yeah. or whatever um, – uh, Loyalty is a big deal, yeah. and uh, you show me somebody very skilled, but they're not loyal. I don't want them. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, uh, it, it's the world's full of people doing the job they don't like for someone they don't respect because of whatever reason. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it has to do with money, prestige, honor, but just doing what you love, loving what you do. And uh, he did. I saw him six days before he died. And uh, he was tired and sickly and worn out. But what I noticed was he had lost his first love. Mm. He had retired. He didn't have the yellow pad going to his next game or yeah. plan or season. Um, he was done. And uh, be honest, uh, he had a heart issue, yes, but he died of a broken heart mm. because he lost his first love. So we talk about um, playing for Bear Bryant, uh, those stories. I, mean, I could probably sit and talk about that all day long. Um, but not only was he a great coach to you and, and helped you become a better man and all those other things, uh, he played a, a pivotal role in Big Oak Ranch, if I know mm-hmm. the story correct. And so talk about that. Talk about how you felt God call you into ministry instead of the NFL and and how Bear Bryant played a part in that and then just go right into the, the ranch. Um. Back to one of those plays, I was working at a summer camp. I was, a, I was just a little old dipping counselor. And um, met a little boy from New Orleans. His mother was a prostitute, and he was the banker and the timekeeper. Mama, the next one's here. I got the money. And he was the businessman. Told that little boy, hey, you become a Christian. He came back the following year and told me word for word what I'd share with him the summer before. And I realized at 19, I'd just been given a gift. I wished I could say Oh, look at all this. Look at all that. Uh, just a gift. And um, we have to sit down with a boy or a girl, and we have to read them the way Coach Bryant reads mm-hmm. uh, his players and uh, decide if we are the answer for what their problems might be. And uh, so we played uh, the three years, and um, as we mentioned, he won national championship my senior year. And, um, it, you know, the natural step was, you know, I talked with some people, 
And I went to see Coach Bryant. I said, Coach Bryant, I want to get this was the spring of uh, 74. Uh, and we just played in the um, Sugar Bowl, uh, 74, January 1. And the um, natural step would be to move on. And um, I said, I want to get the money from pro football and I want to start a home for children. And he looked at me and uh, he said, Don't play pro ball unless you're willing to marry it. Go build that ranch you've been talking about. Walked out and never looked back. And uh, that influence, that moment uh, was pivotal. I wasn't good enough. I was too weak. I was too wormy. I was too slow, but I was still going to give it a shot. But in hindsight, if we had played ball, if we had made money, if someone would say, well, look at what John did with his money. Yeah. Now, that's not giving God any glory. Yeah. This way, uh, I was talking this morning with one of our former residents, and we were talking about when the power got cut off. Yeah. I know what that feels like. I know what you flip a shower on and it don't work because yeah. the water's cut off. Uh, been there. Uh, NFL money, but it wasn't been the right way. Yeah. And so now, you know, we um, have been so blessed to have, uh, we're moving into our 50th year. Uh, our first boy is 66. We've been doing this for all these years, and God's been faithful. And um, Coach Brian said, Vice moved right into uh, January 1st, we're playing the Sugar Bowl versus Notre Dame. May 74, I graduate. August the 4th, I moved on to a 120-acre farm that um, uh, this guy sold to us for a, a piece. So here I am. I'm 23, living in a farmhouse by myself with my dog, and I had nothing but that's when uh, God comes to the rescue, when you've got nothing. Mm. You've got nothing left. You're out of gas emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically. And he says, all right, now will you trust me? And uh, that issue was, trust me with this. Have I been perfect? Absolutely not. Have I done the right thing every time? Absolutely not. Uh, I've learned nobody's as good as they appear, and no one's as bad as they seem. We're all somewhere in there, you know, you and me have got, you know, a story. Uh, my son's got a great line. He said, regrettably, I worked on my testimony. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a good uh, Rich Wingo even told yeah. Brody, he said, well, you, you've been working. You had a lot of tests to build your testimony. Yeah. So that that's a good word from Rich. But uh, sitting there and um, within two weeks had five boys. And wow. uh, I didn't know that you had to have a license. I, th I just said, hey, I want to help kids. So I was helping coach a little football team because they were going to pay me $1,000. Back then was big money yeah. because I didn't have any income, zero. Yeah. And, and uh, this guy walked up and said, Mr. Grant. And I said, yes, sir. And see, here I was, arrogant, cocky, yeah. thinking I had my stuff together. I'm a football player from Bear Bryant, won that championship. We're all good. He said, do you have a license to take? Care of children. I said, I sure do. And I showed him my driver's license. Yeah. And I found out later you had to have a license from the state to do this. <laughs> so the first five boys were illegal. Yeah. And uh, they were not uh, right uh, as far as paperwork is concerned. But um, we were able to. I've been asked more than once. You ever been depressed? Nope. Personal life things, mistakes. I've been, yeah. But with the ranch, have I ever been depressed? Have I ever looked back and said, what if? Never. Mm. Because um, uh, I, I don't take lightly that I found out early what I was put on earth to do. 
Yeah. I don't take that lightly. That's and uh, there's there's a lot of 60, 70-year-old men that ain't figured it out yet. Yeah. There's a lot of 30-year-olds right now chasing the wrong thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I know that that is a very unique situation. We've been doing this for obviously 50 years, and I've had so many thousands of men come up and say, you know, I always wanted to do something like what you're doing, mm. but they didn't do it. Yeah. And uh, many of them are now really great friends and are big supporters of the ranch because we're doing what they dreamed or felt led to do that they didn't answer the call. Mm. And I think that right there might be the, 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 the bottom line. God said, I got something I want you to do. And I said, yes, sir. And then he said, I know you, but I still want to use you. Yeah. And I, I got, I, I'm going to get a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> God loves stupid. And he loves me yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, every, every guy, girl, but every guy listening to you and me right now watching, um, we've all been stupid. But the thing about it is um, finding out what you got put. And you know why it's never too late to find out what you got put on earth to do. You have a history, yeah. things you used to do that you don't do anymore because yeah. now you see something that from what I've taken from you, you're going to do a long time. You ain't going to just fight this fight for 10 minutes and quit. Yeah. Um, you're going to be here for the long haul. And that long haul is important. And that's why even now, uh, the, the boys I met with this morning, they're, they're both 45 years old. And uh, we got them when they were 10. And they said, we ain't got nobody. Can we meet with you? So every Wednesday at 8 o'clock, we meet at Edgar's and just sit and talk about being a man. And I, I tell them, boys, I can't tell you what you need to do, but I can tell you what you don't need to do. Amen. And so we've all made that that call. But we've now had um, uh, Coach Brian's influence, the ranch's influence on, on our personal lives, our family's life, our children, our grandchildren. And then is really, we're having a reunion on May the 20th, and uh, we have got um, several hundred kids coming back with their families. And wow. that that's the rush is wow. when you get a chance to – See a boy that you got out of uh, a bar. That's where he lived. That was his yeah. home, and uh, he had a hard life. And you bring him in, you put him in a a a nice home with a great set of house parents and other brothers like him, yeah. and say, "All right, let's go." Yeah, you know, you've had enough of the garbage. Now let's work at getting good. And uh, some of them do it. Some of them don't. Some are very successful. Some don't. Some are alive and well. Some are dead because they chose poorly. Mm -hmm. But we've had over 2,000 children call Big Oak Ranch home, and um, there's never been a day of regret. Amen. Talk about what, what's different about Big Oak Ranch than, um, you know, other what, what, what some would call orphanages. I think in my mind, uh, and again, I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm sitting across from John Croyle. I'm saying this, and I've said this before I ever met you, before I ever met Brody. Well, actually, no, it was it was while I met Brody. Brody gave me a tour five years ago of the ranch, um, and I was just blown away. I was floored. Um, and to me, and and I guess for, for you guys watching that don't even know what Big Oak Ranch is, I've been operating on the assumption that you do. Um, we'll get into what you guys do specifically, but what I see is, is two things that really stand out. One is, yeah, you can create an orphanage and you can create a building on a piece of property and stuff a bunch of kids into a building and make sure that they're fed and educated. Um, but to me, the, the, the cultural building block that God has given us and, and has established in his creation order in Genesis is, you know, is husband, wife, father, mother, 
children and it's a, it's a home. Mm-hmm. And what you guys have is beautiful homes on a ranch with house parents um, that are parents to a select number, I think up to six. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Six to eight, yes. Yeah, six to eight ki- kids in, in, in one household. And so they they aren't just stuffed into an orphanage. They're they're part of a home, and yeah. they're taught about Jesus, and they're taught how to live, and they're shown examples, and they go to a Christian school, and then they come home and do their homework and have a mom and a dad there showing them, teaching them how to do that, doing Bible studies with the kids at home. And they're getting a life that so many people in the country that aren't orphans aren't, you know, th- that aren't even getting, right? You guys are giving them something so much more than a warm meal and a place to stay. Mm-hmm. You're giving them a home. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think that's incredible. Uh, and then also the fact that you guys don't rely on government money, I think, is incredible. But talk about what, what you see as different, how you came to the conclusion to to do it that way. Um, anybody can build a warehouse for kids. Yeah. Anybody. Uh, I mean, uh, there's a lot of organizations around the country. Uh, but um, in the last 10 years, 42% of the children's homes in America have shut down. Mm. That's a lot of folks, a lot of kids that are not getting help. So we decided a long time ago that we we're going to have a unit, a house parent couple. And um, uh, we've now got 26 couples yeah. living in 26 homes. We're going to stop at 40. And uh, that would be approximately 300 kids that we're taking care of on a, on a daily basis. And uh, the program has worked so well for us that now Brody and his staff and the ranch's vision, uh, they've helped start 96 other children's homes around the country. So we're trying to come back in underneath that 42%, but do it right. Yeah, uh, You got to do it right. You, you can't. And God's a big God. And... Um, you can't hide something if it's right. Yeah. You can't hide something if it's wrong. Yeah. And think about it. Uh, we used to would hire staff, and I had about four kids I really trusted. And whenever we'd get ready to hire somebody, I'd bring them in, let these kids meet them. Just, you know, the the, the guy yeah. applying for a job didn't know, but the kids knew. And uh, I'd say, uh, well, here, there's here's Tom, Larry, Billy, Simon. And uh, then he would leave, and I'd say, what do y'all think? One of the boys looks at me. Where'd you find that fool? <laughs> so they have a scanner. Yeah, they can spot BS a mile away, and uh, that's one of the things about people will come and they'll meet one of our children. Oh, you're such a cute little baby, and I the kids will turn and look at me and go, and just roll their eyes yeah. like I'm not some little pet that's in yeah. a puppy shop, yeah. and uh, they they spot them, but they also spot when someone comes in and says, hey. How you doing? I'm here for the long haul, yeah. and that's that house parent couple that says, and we and one of the I think the bedrock uh, we've had as I mentioned, well over two thousand kids. All two thousand plus kids have heard the same four promises, and uh, we we did this fifty years ago. I love you. I'll never lie to you. I'll stick with you till you're grown. And there's boundaries. Don't cross them. Mm. And you give emotional support, truth. Security, discipline. And my wife's got a great line, and it is discipline is the truest form of love. Guys, ladies, do not be your kid's best friend. Yeah. That that ain't going to work. You you don't want a best friend for your mom and dad. You want a mom and a dad that's going to train you, teach you. In other words, pack your bags for the journey. Yeah. 
called life. And that's what we do. We find couples that want to help pack a kid's bag for a journey. And um, there's a lot of garbage in there. The garbage never gets flushed out. It's always going to be in that bag. I mean, as you as you and I have mentioned before, we got things in our past that is garbage. Yeah, it's in the bag of our our lives. But you know what? Goodness will override badness every time. Amen. And uh, obviously, you know, God's been good to all of us. And and right now, I think that um, uh, they've got an endowment set up. And uh, speaking of the government, uh, we don't take the government money because be careful who you get in bed with. Yeah, because you're gonna get cooties, yeah. and we we have just chosen to go the path of we're gonna do it, and God said, "All right, I will take care of you," yeah. and that's why uh, we have no debt, and uh, everything we pay for before it's built, yeah. and uh, even right now, the next five homes to be built at the ranch, all the money for those homes is already in the bank. Wow, and so that shows the the clarity of the staff that Brody has put together. Yeah. And you, you're providing people an opportunity to give to what the Bible, I believe, is crystal clear. You know, true religion is this, is that you would take care of widows and orphans. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it doesn't say all these other things that people mm-hmm. are trying to do. Um, and even what I do for a living, it says true religion is this. And mm-hmm. you're providing people an opportunity um, who have the means to, to, you know, put money into something that's actually doing that most important thing uh, that God calls out. And I think that's really cool. Uh, many, many, in 1985, um, Reader's Digest did a great story about the ranch. And uh, we were so blessed by that national attention. And a guy came up here from Aruba and he had um, a beautiful, beautiful truck and a beautiful, beautiful trailer. And he sat down with me and we were just talking. He owns half the island of Aruba. So he's a pretty big boy. Yeah. He bought a brand new truck and a brand new um air airstream trailer just to come up from Miami to the ranch. Wow. And so, and then I said, Tell me about your children. And I saw this proud, confident, wealthy man melt. He said, I've got two children. I would give anything I own, everything, if I could get them back. Mm. He said, I messed up. And he said, uh, I can't get them back because um, I chose my career. I chose money. I chose thing, I chose everything but them. Wow. And he said, and they know it. So money don't do it. Wow. That's incredible. Well, one of the things I love hearing you and Brody speak is stories. Um, tell us some of the stories um, about, you know, whether it's the first kid and um, why you started a girl's ranch. That story is really incredible. Mm-hmm. Just tell us stories, the best, you know, best stories, worst stories, hardest thing you've ever done there, best thing you've ever done there, mm-hmm. what you're most proud of. Um, uh, one of the plays in my life we mentioned earlier is uh, I was walking through a courtroom in a, in a local county and a long hallway, and there's a little girl, 12 years old, sitting there on the bench. And uh, I just do what I do. I said, you okay? And I was with the social worker that was there, and uh, Social worker said she was raped by her father while her mother held her down. And um, I picked the little girl up, and I felt her pouch because she was so torn up by the attack that they had to put a pouch on her. She's 12 years old in the sixth grade, and she's wearing a pouch. Uh, it asked me type. And um, judge walked by, and I said, you send her back home. The father's going to do this again and kill her in six months. 
being the stupid guy I was, yeah. playing prophet. I was wrong. It was three months later. Wow. And he killed a little girl. And we promised God when the time was right, we'd build a home for girls. So 1988, uh, you drive in on Shelly Drive, name of that little girl. And um, I described her and what she looked like because I'm the only one that saw her. No one no one else saw her from the ranch. Uh, and um, I, I was in the courtroom, and I said, let me have her. I said, I'll take her. And uh, he said, no, nope, you've got a boy's ranch, can't do it. And I came home to my wife. I said, I nearly adopted a little girl today. And she said, you think we could have talked about that? And I said, yeah, we can talk about it. But and I explained the story. And um, uh, that little girl changed my life. And so now when a little girl walks in, it is tough to be looking at a little girl that's six, seven years old, and there's blood running down the inside of her leg where she was hurt the night before by this father who is standing next to her. And that man looks at me and says, what was it like playing for Bear Bryant? And his little girl has been abused by him. I get asked all the time by vigorous, virile men, don't you kill him? Nope. I never even look at him. I see the little girl. That's 100% of the vision. As a matter of fact, I never talk to that man again. The staff handles anything we have to do with him. But we have seen that happen so many times. But you know what? Physical abuse is not the worst. The worst is, well, you know, if you'd only batted better than you pitched, you know, look, look how yeah. good you could go. Or, I wish I'd never had you. Yeah. I never wanted you. Uh, we had a little girl. That her mom brought her to us, and uh, she uh, had woke, had awakened her daughter uh, that morning and said, come on, it's your birthday. We're going to have a great day. Took her, put her in the car. Little girl didn't know that she'd packed all her clothes in a suitcase and had it in the trunk. The woman drove to our driveway, opened the door, threw the suitcase, threw the little girl out, threw the suitcase out, and looked at me and said, she's yours. The little girl said, well, do you want me? That's a good day. Because yeah. then we get to say, yes, we do. You belong to us now. And you know what? Every boy wants two things. Do you really love me? And do I measure up? Yeah. That's it. It ain't rocket science. Yeah. And every little girl asks two questions. Do you really love me? If I get pregnant and I mess up, you still gonna love me? And am I pretty? Your little girl may be ugly as homemade sand. <laughs> but if she thinks her daddy thinks she's pretty, she ain't afraid of anybody. Wow. And that's what that's what's missing today is look at your son and um we took Brody away on a trip when he was thirteen and we called it the manhood trip. And I looked at him, I said, From this day forward, you do not talk to your mom about your mistakes. You come see me. And when you screw up, I'm the one you call. So we got back home and he went through high school, went through college, and he would call home and my wife said, Well, hey baby. Oh, uh, okay, he's right here. <laughs> She'd hand me the phone because something had happened. Yeah. And uh, the, the boy's got to know I got somebody to call. Yeah. And, and, and you've got seven children, and they got to know no matter what, you'll be there no matter what. Like right now, if you got a phone call, I know those headphones come off, you go get your baby. Yeah. No, not a question. And like his don't have that assurance. Wow. 
don't even know where to go after after that. It's really incredible. Um, man, what um one of the things I've heard uh, when I've heard people talk about the ranch and people who've gotten to know you and Brody um, is one of the hardest things you guys have to do is is when people don't follow that fourth rule um, when they break the rules and then mm-hmm. they have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you didn't if you didn't have that, you couldn't you you can't. You can't have the good thing that you have if you're not willing to do that hard mm-hmm. thing of letting people go. Could you talk about that? I tell you, the um, uh, um, we we use the baseball theory. Yeah. Uh, if you steal my car, and I've had our car stolen 29 times, so been there. Just shy of 30. Uh, yeah. Somebody <laughs> said, "Well, what do you do?" I said, "Well, I don't take the keys out anymore. I got tired of a hot hot wire in the car. Yeah. <laughs> I just leave the keys in it." But. Um, uh, when 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 a kid steals your car, you sit down with him and say, son, now that's grand theft auto. And depending on value, it's a felony. Yeah. You can go to prison for that. And then you do it a second time. You you sit down with him and say, that's two strikes. You know, this first time might have been a situation. For example, we had a boy stole my car, and we went and got him out of jail, and I brought him back. And I said, what were you thinking? He said, I wouldn't. My mom told me she was going to Texas, and I'd never see her again, and I wanted to see her one more time before she left, so I took your car. Didn't do a thing to him. Yeah. Cause, but if you steal the car that third time, that's letting me know you don't want what it is we're trying to give you. You don't want to make it. You don't, oh, I'll, I'll never do it again. Well, you know. It's yeah. kind of like every drug addict in the world. I yeah. swear to you and God, I'll never da 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 again. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, and so uh, anyway, we've all been there, and um, in one way or another, with whatever yeah. issue it is. But uh, those four, the, the third strike, uh, somebody said, "Well, you're quitting on them. You're not keeping your word." No, we didn't walk away. They did. And it's kind of like how God deals with us. He never goes anywhere. Yeah. Back back to that, you know, the footprints in the sand, you know. Yeah. How many times have you and me both said, where are you? I'm right here. I'm carrying you, stupid, you know, yeah. because we, we didn't do the right thing. But uh, the, 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 the kids, if they know, even though you are a screw-up, you've made every mistake you can make as a man, husband, and father, or a, a mother, wife, woman, uh, if they know, you love them. mm we had one boy, his mom dipped him in hot grease and waist down and burned him. He talked about his mama every day for seven years. Every day he talked about his mama. Wow. So he scar tissue, belly button down because it was grease. But he still loved his mama. And you ever get a kid to quit, quit that, stop that, hate you, uh, they may say they hate you, but deep down inside there is still that bond. No matter what. That's incredible. Well, I mean, that's it's so um and, and again I'm I'm not gonna jump into to, to politics, but we do often, but but it's it's bigger than politics. It's the family is, you know, that it that that's it. And so um many of us may not be called to start a boys' ranch mm-hmm. or a girls' ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if you have a wife and you have children or you're going to have a wife and you're going to have children. I hope that the people listening can hear, um, the stories that you just shared, um, and understand 
the weight uh, of the responsibility it means to be a father mm-hmm. uh, and that that's a calling and that's an office. You know, I think there's three systems of government. You have the family, you have the church, and you have the state. And people look at the people in the state and you see a judge or a sheriff or a, you know, a, a president or a senator or whatever. And they're like, ooh, look at the office. Then, you know, you got a, the church and you got a pastor and that's an office. And you're like, wow, the pastor, the pastor. Well, family has office holders too, and, and father is one of them. Mm-hmm. And if we don't begin to see ourselves as an office holder that God's going to hold responsible for the authority and responsibility he's given us, um, man, and, and and it's not about what if you don't, it's look at what could happen if you do. Mm-hmm. What if you took that serious? Like you could break all the generational curses. Exactly. You could, you can be the guy who, who changes everything for future generations in your line and, and, and for your community and everything. And so, um, that's how I feel. I mean, Rich Wingo was sitting in that seat, um, six months ago, eight months ago, whatever it was. It was one of those podcasts. And I mean, I do these things all the time and you, you know, sometimes it's just going through the motions or whatever. And there's other times where I feel the weight of what we're talking about. And when I talked to Rich, I felt it. Um, and he was calling, calling on men to be men. And, mm-hmm. and I feel the weight of, of, of what we're talking about. So I'm really mm-hmm. grateful for the conversation. It's, um, you just mentioned three things. They're all important. Yep. But who changes the direction of a country? Yeah. It ain't the presidents. Yeah. And it ain't the church. Yeah. It's the family units. When then, uh, on a real poor example, remember the movie 300 and Sparta? Yeah. They had one agenda. And do you remember the guys were laughing in the battle? And uh, uh, one of them said, Why are you laughing? He said, Because I may have an opportunity to die for my country. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. And somebody, his father, the Sparta culture, taught him that. And I'm not saying we go back to Sparta and yeah. do all that. I'm not saying that. But there was a there was a reason why there was that core. Yeah. And um, one thing I've noticed is, do uh, you remember when we were growing up, uh, um, Fuzzbusters? Mm-hmm. Some people watching us right now have no what? Yeah. Uh, you know, radar detectors. Let's change yeah. the name. But. Um, the, uh, the uh, fuzzbuster would come to here. Well, then technology would come to here and match it, yeah. and then it would get to where uh, it would go to here, and it would. There was always the technology to to, to catch up with it, whatever it was might be. Yeah. I think that even though we're going through a catastrophic meltdown of what God intended for our country, for our families, for fatherhood, motherhood, there's a meltdown for sure, yeah. and people getting questioning what they are there's a guy and a girl and that's the end of it i mean yeah i I may hurt somebody's feelings but that yeah that's what it is and um uh there is a movement i mean here's this catastrophic bad stuff happening there's a movement here balancing it out what you're doing is just a, a a segment of changing the culture yeah and our our culture might be heading south but uh, you know what? God ain't, yeah. and He's the same He always was. That's it. And let me let me clarify. I may sound I may sound like a religious fanatic. I am not. There's people watching us right now. If they really knew me, they'd never speak to me again. But you know what? God can use broken people. Man, does it every day. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time to come in and and share your stories and uh, and your your life with us. I'm sure this won't be the last time I have you in here. Um, but really grateful. All right, guys. Well, that will wrap up today's regular episode, but we've got a great behind the scenes episode where John is going to be sharing an encouraging message about how to get back up. We all fall. We all got, you know, get knocked down at times. 
Um, but it's not about what happened to get knocked down. It's about what you got to do to get back up. That's going to be uh, a great message by him. Uh, and you can access that by becoming a member, joining the fight. Membership start as little as $5 a month, and you'll be supporting independent journalism. You'll be supporting honest journalism uh, on behalf of the people. So please go to the website, 1819news.com. Click the button, become a member. Uh, again, membership start as little as $5 a month. So go do that. And until next time, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to those of you guys who have watched the uh, regular episode. This is our behind the scenes, our post show show uh, for folks who are uh, supporting the work we're doing uh, by becoming a member. So we're super grateful that you are. You're making the work that we do possible. And we want to reward that uh, with a little bit of extra content every week in our podcast episode. And so we've got John Croyle, founder of the Big Oak Ranch, incredible ministry, uh, incredible boys home is how it started, but now it's a, they have a boys ranch and a girls ranch, uh, doing incredible stuff. And so if, if you didn't, um, go back and watch the, 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 the podcast we did with him also on the website, we've done, uh, several stories on the ranch. Uh, most recently we sent out a professional photographer and did a whole big thing and, and interviewed his son Brody, uh, really, really good. And so, um, we're just going to jump right in and I feel like John's got a, a message on his heart he wants to share and I'm going to let him, uh, do that. Every man looking at us right now. Do I, do I look at you or do you want me to go here? You can go there. Okay. <clears throat> Every man looking at us right now has stumbled and fallen. Every one of us. There's only been one perfect man that I know of, and uh, he's here, but he's not living with us at this time. And Jesus Christ is the only one who's never sinned. So we've all got sin, but... Some of us maybe stumble a little harder than others. Some of us maybe take a longer time to fall, but when we fall, it is hard. I want to give you a key, and it's got segments to it. And just cutting to the chase, if you've got a sin that's got you right now, uh, an appropriate relationship, pornography, pride, money, power. We've all got this animal that's trying to take our whole soul away from us. And regrettably, we willingly give it at times. But if you're there and you're falling or you've already fallen, I want to give you keys. One, recognize you've screwed up. Recognize that you need to change. You need to change. Your wife can't change you. Your kids can't change you. Your job can't change you. Money can't change you. You, you have got to change. Second, you got to repent. Repent's a tough word, but you know what? It's the only word that's going to get you back where you need to be. Realize what you're doing wrong and make a 180-degree turn. So you recognize, and then you repent. Next, you recover. 
you get back on your feet. Uh, being on your knees praying is not how you were made to live. You were made to stand like a man. So you recover, get balance back in your life. If business or whatever the issue may be is controlling you, get back to what's important. Your walk with your Lord, the, your walk with your wife, your walk with your children, your walk with yourself. You get balance back. After you get balance, then you reconcile. You find out whoever it is you have hurt, whether intentionally or unintentionally, and you go to them and you explain your sin. Do not dodge it. Don't make excuses. Just admit to them. I have really, really been wrong. I've lived wrong. I have sinned. I ask for your forgiveness. And then restoration. You restore with your wife. You restore with your God. You restore with yourself. You restore with your children. You restore with everybody you can restore with. And you know what? Some people are going to let you get back in. There's others that won't. So you recognize, you repent, you recover, you reconcile, you restore. There's going to be a day where you're laying face down, and there's going to be a God that's going to say, let me pick you up. And when he picks you up, he says, I didn't create you for this. Come on. We're designed to be great. We're not designed to be mediocre. We're not designed to be failures. We're designed to be great. And if we are mediocre and we choose that or we choose failure, Getting back up is the only way you're going to make it. And what a great example to your children when they mess up and they make mistakes. You showed them how to get back on track. And what a great legacy to leave your children. Guys, it's up to you. It ain't up to anybody else. And don't blame anybody for the choices you've made. You did it. Join me. And let's get back where we're supposed to be. Because there's a time in your life where you draw a line in the sand and you say, that's enough. Today may be that day. Hmm. Amen. Thank you, John. Um, a huge part of um, what we do, obviously, I'm in the political space, I'm in the, the news space and everything else. But at the end of the day, I'm really in the culture fight. In the culture fight, um, it's so crazy that you just, I had no idea what you were going to say. Mm -hmm. You didn't tell me what you were going to say. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you wouldn't let me do yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. But, um, man, that is, that, that is the biggest me message I think that needs to be said is men. And again, women, women too, but men, men need to repent fathers. If you're failing as a husband, if you're failing as a father, um, repent. And like you said, the example that you're going to set for your children, incredible. Um, if you're a pastor and you haven't been preaching the word faithfully, uh, if you haven't been shepherding your flock properly, uh, if you've been, you know, not preaching what you know God wants you to preach because you're worried about attendance, repent. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're if you're a civil magistrate, if you're uh, a senator, a legislator, a judge, a sheriff, or if any of these things, if you're taking a bribe, if you're um, if you're not doing what you know that you said that you were going to do in your campaigns and all these other things, repent. Period. All 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 these men that hold these positions uh, in these systems of government. But it, if if we would just do what you just said. Um, Man, you know the, the the change that could come and and the the wave of of, of repentance and revival. Mm -hmm. So that's a good word. Thank you, John. If 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 you recognize it but do nothing about it, you're no better off than you were before you recognize it. Yeah. 
That's right. Thank you, John. It's been an honor. I'm privileged. Thanks for letting me be here. Yeah, we'll have you come back and we'll do more stories. I love hearing stories. That's the Lee Habib connection, right? You tell stories. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, John. All right, guys. Hopefully you were blessed by that. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, as I end with every segment, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry.